This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Does anybody know what time it is? Nathan, have you got a clue? Is it the happiest time of the week? Cam, have you got a clue what time it is? I believe it's the happiest time of the week. It is. It's the happiest time of the week. It's three o'clock. It's Saturday afternoon. And whilst football might not be there because of COVID-19, Mansfield Matters is here again to talk football and to tackle COVID-19 by trying to put a smile on your face. Last week, we had a very heated debate. Nathan and Cam squared up and had a punch up all over a, a, an idea for an 11-a-side tournament. Brilliant idea. Still, it's still progressing that. It's an, it, it was a brilliant, brilliant idea. idea. Whilst uh, we tried to figure out how we could bring an end to this football season amid COVID-19 and coronavirus, which is sweeping the nation and making it hard for us to enjoy our Saturday afternoons. This time around, we're talking players. Yes, it's time for another instalment of Stag's Stories, the series where we catch up with ex-players and talk to them about their time at Mansfield Town FC and, of course, try and bring you up to date with what they're doing in their careers and share some of their favourite memories. Today, later in the episode, we're going to be catching up with a player who, to be fair, is an absolute hero at Mansfield Town, mainly because he did this... Briscoe with the goal. 
Louis Briscoe with a fantastic finish. Missed the penalty, saved by Kevin Pilkington. Without the rebound, Louis Briscoe put it in. And Gareth, where's Bill Tyler so close? I'm stuck, I'm stuck. Let's be honest, they should have took their chances in this game. 30 seconds left. 30 seconds away from the dream. Louis Briscoe, you absolute legend. I make absolutely no apology for the over-emotional commentary there, boys. We wouldn't expect it any other way. Just your commentary is just like the peak of all Stag's commentary. Steve-O, not got an absolute patch on your commentary. I disagree with it. There you go. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'll pay you later. So, obviously, the man we're talking about is uh, Louis Briscoe. We're going to be catching up with him uh, later on in the show. Um, first and foremost, Nathan Edge, what's your overriding memories of uh, uh, of Louis Briscoe? A man who spent six seasons, uh, or six and a half seasons at the club and certainly did us a service. Yeah, I mean, especially when you think of the time he, he spent with us. That's uh, you know quite a long period, and you don't you don't see that very often, especially uh, in the, in the conference days when we especially we have David Ellsworth. So we had player, more players going coming in and out, in and out every every week it seems. So he uh, he survived that time, which was quite uh, quite an achievement. Um, but yeah, he stuck with us through thick and thin, and um, it was a part of a lot of. All sorts of different memories within our our journey. You know, we for me, I mean, apologies if he's uh, listening back to this, but a lot of the times he was sort of inconsistent, so he, he might go missing for for a while. But one thing that I always think about when I think of Louis Briscoe is that he steps up when it matters. So as you you know, we just played the clip there, uh, the Luton away in the uh, second leg of the FA Trophy semi final, and. He played a big part in the, the game at Wrexham to, to get us up and scored some belts along the way. So it, with him, it was it was he stepped up when we really needed him. And he was a player as well, Cam, who was uh, at the peak of your uh, watching football and uh, sort of introduced you to the life of how good Mansfield can be. What are your overriding memories of uh, Louis Briscoe, other than smashing balls into the top corner from forty yards? Uh, I th- think as as a player, that's all I could particularly remember. I think it was a funny time being a Stags fan because obviously he came in and it was it was the whole time of um, David Loansworth and all that. And to find a place in the squad was difficult. So to actually nail down a place was uh, just testament to what he was doing on the training ground. And when he did need when he did need to step up, he did. And then a little bit further on into his stag spell obviously getting us to Wembley playing a crucial part in that unfortunately we didn't get the, we fell at the final hurdle and didn't get what we wanted but he was he'll still be remembered as a player that got us to Wembley scoring that crucial goal and then again in the promotion winning season scoring some absolute belters I always remember um, hide away scruffy game I think it was poor weather it was like straight from half time just whipping it in 25 yards from goal left foot top corner absolutely smashed it and then obviously winning the penalty in the final game against Wrexham it's just all these crucial moments that build up to the end of the season and then to finish the season like we did you're going to say most of these players go down as Mansfield heroes and in terms of somebody that's seen it all Nathan Edge He's been through absolutely everything as well. You're talking a player who came in when, you know, players were coming in left, right and centre. The revolving door days of David Holdsworth. Can't believe I just swore on the podcast. Uh, Then moved on to uh, Duncan Russell's side where we were locked out of the ground and battled our way to Wembley in the FA Trophy. Then under Paul Cox, playoffs and then finally promotion. He's seen it and he's done it all. Yeah, he's, um, he's been through... 
our most difficult times, you know, ch- changing of ownership as well. Uh, and like you say, that whole situation being locked out, um, a lot of players would have probably jumped ship at that point. Um, so to stick around and, and to go through, like I say, six, six and a half years, that's, that's a long time in football. You, you don't get that so very often. So stick around and then it's a bit like us last year, uh, suffering uh, you know, heartbreak in in the in the playoff final. Oh well, play, playoff semi final, I should say. To then bounce back, which is obviously what we've not done this year. Uh, we've we've bounced back in the wrong direction. Uh, whereas he was a part of the the team and the squad that that did kick on and, and went on to to do the business the following year. Good old COVID nineteen finally doing something good for us and allowing us to forget the absolute rubbish of this season and bask in the glory of the olden days. A Cam. Oh, definitely. I think that's a, a good thing about being able to do this podcast is the fact that we've got so many good memories that we can go back to and talk about. Colours on the mask before we uh, get on to talking to Louis Briscoe. Um, and hearing from him what are you wanting to find out more about what are you looking forward to hearing I'll start with you Cam probably about his best moments at the club it's always good to hear because we obviously we see our favourite moments and we can watch them back on YouTube or listen to them on um, SoundCloud commentary we can watch them whenever so to actually hear from the players at, at the heart of it, it it's great to hear what they thought was was their, their their best moments whilst at the club it'd be interesting to well again to, you know what, what Cam said uh, to get it from a player's perspective but as he's been through so much uh, for, for such a long time to know what, what bits stick out in, in his mind as his, as his memory so uh, I don't think we've even mentioned it yet, but the likes of, of playing Liverpool, you know, is a part of that, which I'd imagine would be a massive thing for for most players. So, um, you know, that's, that's another thing to to, to maybe discuss. Um, but I, I guess it's his it's his moment. What he thinks about a Mansfield, you know, we, we we've heard on so from so many different players that have been on the part of this this series of, of stag stories. Um, you know, how what now they're out of football or now they've sort of left the club. How that you know what they're uh, view is when they look back on their career and look back at their time at Mansfield Town Well without further ado let's get into it we'll hear little bits from Nathan and Cam uh, during but we'll also catch up with them uh, after we've heard from Louis Briscoe to get their thoughts uh, on the interview and of course we'll play the uh, Stags stories it's all about you quiz as well everybody loves a quiz Yes, it's the best time of the week. The time of the week where usually on a Saturday afternoon we'll be piling into the one course stadium and looking ahead to the game ahead. But uh, due to COVID-19, football is no more. So it's our pledge to you to bring you fresh content every single Saturday afternoon. This week it's the turn of Stag Stories with a man capable of doing this... Launched into the middle towards Matt Reed. He's headed away though. It might fall for Briscoe on the edge of the box. On the volley! It's a hat trick for Louis Briscoe! Now Clements, forward first time. Anthony Howell inside the box. It's Briscoe! Yes! Matthew Tyler back in front. And it's Louis Briscoe who scores! Briscoe winning back possession already. Briscoe with a dominant first half. Turns well against his fullback. Left foot across in towards the back stick. He's got it! Briscoe with a belting goal! It's Nintendo Cross! But 17 seconds into the second half, it's Louis Briscoe who calls home! Can Mansfield Town grab a fourth for the first time this season? In the ball comes. It's a dangerous corner, not quite dealt with. Still lingering now. Briscoe on the volley! It's Louis Briscoe. 
Louis, thanks very much for joining us. Let's go back to the very start of your Stags journey then. You obviously followed David Holdsworth from Ilkeston. Uh, tell us how that move unfolded. Um, recently only signed for Ilkeston and played a couple of games. Um, it was around the credit crunch time and clubs were struggling. Um, so I moved about a little bit. Uh, went to Ilkeston, played a couple of games after I think it was Boxing Day. Um, I think it had been, he told all the lads that he was moving on, but he was going to manage one last game. And then after the game, he rang me and says, uh, I think you did today. I was like, oh, all right, I scored. And I think we drew 1-1. He was like, oh, yeah, great, great. He says, well, I want to take you with me. He says, you're in Scotty Garner. I want, I want you to come with me to Mansfield. So that was the phone call, really. And then I didn't really think about what sort of contact it would be. I just wanted to, say, get back to football, uh, full-time football. Um, and then within a couple of days, um, I spoke to him, I met up with him, and then that was it. I think I signed the same day as Alan Marriott. Was that the main draw for you, then, that full-time football contract? Yeah, I mean, it's so for the, the the conference or the Blue Square Premier at the time, whatever it was called, um, it was Mansfield are a huge club, and then you, you get on the website, you look around the ground, because I'd not played there before, and you think, well, what, what are they sort of doing in that division? Um, and they say they're full-time, and you know, it's only 45 minutes from my house, so it was um, it was ideal in, in a lot of ways, and you know, it, was, it was a big draw, and so, from what the manager was saying, he wanted me to to do it sounded like I was going to be playing football as well so that was even even better for me and obviously you stayed uh, at the club for about six or so seasons why do you think you stayed at the club for so long what was it about Mansfield which made you want to stay um, I think the, the ambition really um, of what, especially at the first season I got there the first half season it was almost a relegation battle um, um, and we just sort of pulled away from the end of the could end of the season and I'd signed 18 months and then he, and then uh, David Olds had a chance to sort of build his own side from scratch in the summer, um, which he did. Um, and again, I was given the number seven shirt. He's sort of thinking, right, I'm going to, I'm going to be playing majority of the time. So the ambition of where they were going to go, especially then when the chairman that is now John came in, you could see that it was going to be, it was a club really going places. And there was a few times that I think bids had come in and, uh, there was talk about me leaving, especially after we had a good season. Uh, the year that we got to the final, and I was adamant. I kept saying to my agent, "I said I don't want to go anywhere. I said I want to stay. I, said, I'm, I firmly believe that we'll get back in the league with Mansell very soon. Um, and the clubs that did come in for me, we we beat them to promotion um, a few times. So you know, I made the right decision. I think um, I it. So it was a pity at the last season that I liked to because at the end of that fourth, fourth or fifth season when we did get promoted, I was speaking to. Alex Stevenson said, what's the record uh, appearance I only got? And it, it wasn't that far out of reach for the age I was at and the, how many appearances I've made. Um, so I was always in the impression that I would stay, I wanted to stay as long as I could. I'm going to bring the boys in at this point as well, Louis, uh, as well. We've got Nathan and Cam with us as well. Cam's running the desk for us at the minute. So uh, if you do hear any pauses in audio between me asking you questions, it's because Cam's fallen asleep because he's not used to being out of bed uh, this time on a, on a Saturday. So I apologise on his behalf, uh, first and foremost. But I'm going to bring Cam and Nathan in for the moment. Nathan... Uh, what were your memories of when uh, Louis arrived from Ilkeston? Obviously, came uh, at a time where so many different players came through the door. Did you think he'd be one that stayed for as long as he did, or do you think did you think he'd be the opposite and he'd be back out as soon as he came in? Um, in all honesty, uh, probably the latter. You know, we we were making so many signings and and letting so many players go. As we said, the revolving door was in full swing at that point. So, uh, you know, when he came in, it wasn't. At the time, anything that sort of made me think, you know, it's a it's a key signing, uh, so to speak. But 
um, you know, as as he started getting uh, getting the minutes in and and showing us what he can do, and soon he started putting him in the top corner. He started realizing that actually, okay, we, you know, out of all these players that we we've been bringing, we, we may have found you know a, a gem, so to speak. So, um, yeah, at the beginning, it was just probably another one of those that you think they, they're probably going to come and go, and you won't remember much of them. There's there's been quite a lot of those along the years, but uh, you know, fair play to him. He he, he took his uh, he took his chance. Um, and uh, you know, got his shirt and kept it. Can be nice because, of course, he's on the other end of the phone and can hear every single word that you're saying. But uh, as his time progressed, obviously one player of the season, scored many goals uh, as well over his time at Stags. Um, were you surprised to see how much he developed and how he developed into a club hero that he is? Uh, yeah, cause very, very much going back to what Nathan said, the, the fact that we've got so many players coming in and coming out and the fact he's coming back from a such a low level and you think we've seen this in the past and it's just going to be an absolute flop like the rest but uh, it really dug in and you can see why he was brought up um, from such a low level fair enough um, your lower league players they're not always the most consistent but what like we've said many times so far today when it, when we've needed him the most he has popped up and um, and either got us a goal or set up a goal or got got some good chances. So, um, so yeah, it, it's just it was a surprise, but it was a good fit in the end. If you could pick one of your top memories for from your time at Mansfield, uh, what would it be? Because I think for a lot of us sat around this table, we'd say one thing, and I think that was probably that goal, uh, the penalty rebound against uh, Luton in the semi final of the FA Trophy. Yeah, I mean that was that was. Uh... Pretty amazing, amazing day. Um, we was definitely the underdogs in Luton. Uh, probably their wage budget at the time. The, the fans that were getting every week, and we had one goal lead going into that game. And we, I think, a lot of people thought that probably wasn't going to be enough going back down, down there. And then, you know, we went one, one nil down on the day just after half time. And then you're thinking, yeah, this, this, this could be it now. And then we had only held on towards the end of the game. Then I don't know if they got a red card before the end of the ninety minutes. I'm not sure, but then they got another one. So they had two red cards and then so handball last minute penalty and say so I missed the penalty and you hear the fans like giving you some and then you've got instant reply to them because you can put the rebound in the back of the net and uh, yeah that was an amazing amazing day knowing like, it, was, it was instant sort of reward because you know you had a penalty after that so yeah it was that was definitely a personal thing for me and obviously as, as well for the team it was it was great but I think as well as that the, the promotion to the uh, to the football league, that was that was a big mission, really. Especially when I first started, it was you know if we do well in cup competitions, then yeah, great. It's good for the clients, a bit of money in the coffers, and you know it's 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 good for the band, but great day out for the fans. But that that day, so we played Wrexham and um, getting the scruffy win, and I had a fairly decent game. I think the two of them the match. That so was it was a good day for me again. Um, it was uh, that was that was them two days really they they stick out. Obviously, as I remember uh, that day uh, against um, against Wrexham, am I right in thinking you won the penalty that day as well? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I managed to get down the outside of I think it was Glen Murray at the time. Um, I'd, I'd never done a step over in my life, and I did two straight. <laughs> did two, and then managed to go around the outside of him, and he, he sort of stood there. And it, was, it was a penalty, but he didn't really have anywhere to go. Uh, yeah, he knew soon as that was given, that he knew that he was going to score. So. It was a set the rest of the game. 
Let's go all the way back to the start of your Mansfield journey then. Obviously, you, you signed from Milkeston, you got your feet uh, under the table. It was really, though, the season after uh, the 2010-2011 uh, season where you came into your own. I believe at the end of that season, you ended up winning player of the season as well. Yeah, I think that would have been my second full season. Um, I think that was the year where Duncan Russell took over, um, sort of halfway through the season. Um and it was a, we were in a bit of transition because I think we got halfway through the season. We'd started quite well, but then it sort of tailed off. David Oldsworth got let go. Um, and there was a lot of players came in. And a lot of loans ended up finishing. A lot of players left. So we ended up having quite a, a thin squad um, that second half of the season. Um, because I think we, we realised that with the season we got to the final, um, I think it was. Um, it, it, so it was a thin squad so I was playing every week and there was no one really like if I was having a quieter game there was no one really to sub on at that, at that point so I was playing 90 minutes week after week after week which was something I hadn't done on the whole I'd always if I was playing well I'd stay in for the whole game if I was playing if we were, as a team weren't doing great it was always the wingers and forwards that get moved around and I was fine and I was getting brought after 60 after 70 after 80 minutes and then in that second half of the season I think I'd got three goals by the calendar uh, by January the 1st in that first half of the season I ended up I think with 19 so it was that second half of the season when we, we didn't have the players and I was just playing every week and I was coming a lot of goals a lot, a lot of goals late on as well games and games maybe where I, could, I would have been put brought off um, so yeah that was I think it was the goals the performances were okay but I think the goals were what got me that player of the season I think and uh, I think I got the team of the year for the division as well but again it was goals more than and stats more than maybe my performances. Thinking back to the way that squad played, you mentioned the uh, the transition between David Holdsworth and Duncan Russell when we got to Wembley and things like that. I think for us as Stags fans, that was probably one of the poorest sides in terms of the, that five years we were in the conference, that spell. Did you ever believe in that squad that you could actually get to Wembley or did it come as much of a shock to you guys in the dressing room as it did to us as fans? Um, I think, like I said, the semi-final I think was the eye-opener when we went and beat Luton over two legs, and Luton were a real force. They were. Um, I think did, did Fleetwood win the league that year? I can't remember who won it that year. Um, was it Crawley. Yeah, Crawley with Evans that year, and then it would have been Fleetwood the year after. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Crawley above and beyond everybody because they were paying some real silly money. As far as I'm aware, they really dominated, and then so Luton were the were the favourites every year. Yeah, to beat us, that was the not the surprising one, but that was when we thought, yeah, we are the underdogs dogs in this in this fight, and uh, you know, we came out on top. But we sort of, I think we played some like workshop in the first round. We, we dominated them, and I think we we seemed to play Newport about four or five times that year. I'm sure we did, um, and we beat them. I think we we chased town. That went to two two uh, two. I think that was the trophy. Uh, sorry, it went to a replay. Sorry. Um, so you know we we didn't we didn't cruise to the to the, to the semis, and then you know to to get that far and like I say that that squad it, it was it was very very thin like we didn't have a lot of depth so before Christmas we had quite a strong squad and we just seemed to lose a lot of players uh, people's loans were up and we didn't think that we would we were really going to go for the for promotion or get the playoffs so it was like so we just sort of thinned out a little bit and we just made the best of what we had and like I said I think that was the lowest we finished. Uh, all the years that we were in the conference so 
yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a great squad but to get to that final. I think we probably did over two, over two. Yeah. It wasn't a, a season either, which was without its troubles off the pitch because that was the year where the heavy snow fell and Mansfield were locked out of the ground. And you get, you mentioned that game there against Works, at which we ended up having to play at Ilkeston because of being locked out of the ground. What was that like from a player's perspective, where you, you're locked out of the stadium, you're unsure whether you're going to get games on, and and everything's sort of up in the air, especially at the same time as well, where you're dealing with a managerial transition. Looking back, I suppose it is it is a bit indifferent. It's not normal, but I think as players, we we had somewhere to train every day, and because of the games that would have got called up anyway, I think that works. A game, I don't, I'm not sure that could down as a home game. I'm not 100 percent sure, um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't really affect us. We just sort of cracked on, and we, we knew where we were training. Oh, we're out the ground. Oh, we'll have to just wait and do this or do that. It wasn't really as a play. You didn't really think about it. the chairman was going to say, "You're going to get paid. Don't worry." Like we'll, we'll get through it together, sort of thing, and so that was after. I think that was just after uh, John had come in. Um, I believe rightly. I think he came in halfway through that season, and then that's when he did notice things changing, like li- just little things that he was. You could see he was putting his, his, his money into, and it was just making the club just feel better all around. Yeah, it was one of those as well, wasn't it? Where, um, as you say, the, there was a change in ownership and, and things like that. How difficult was that to deal with as players? Because when the club gets put up for sale, I remember speaking to, uh, I think it was Martin Riley and, and John Delaya, a couple of your ex-teammates, who were saying it, it was a very difficult period for players because they didn't know where the next paycheck was coming from, they didn't know whether to look for other clubs and things like that. Was that ever on your mind? I mean, it, it wasn't for me, really. I suppose living at home with your mum and dad... Um, you know, you got that bit of a blanket. Like, I maybe wasn't like some of the other players that were living away from home and got got young families and things like that. So it wasn't it wasn't really on my mind totally. Um, it was just everything would be all right, sort of thing. And you know, I think there would have been time. I think there was times maybe that first year that was there that there was times where we thought we might not get paid or it was a little bit late or things like that. But it was never. It was never like it was never we went without money. We never didn't every every, every time we got paid. It was what we was owed so it's never really a, a massive issue we never got asked to take pay cuts or anything like that but say once John had come in there was not even any talk of that it was just business as usual type thing and like I said you, you get you just get on with it and you know that he was he was good for it because say, we, was, we, we never went without as players and a lot of clubs that you a lot of players that you talk to oh man so it was a good club isn't it oh, I bet it was good to play there um, especially players that hadn't been there and it was like yeah and then players that had left there that and when I was there for such a long time, they're like, "Oh, I should never have left Mansfield because you know it's so it's so well run, and like they go elsewhere, and maybe they'll get messed about with money or uh, with training or things like that." And I don't think some of the lads realised how good it was um, after, until after they'd moved away. Obviously, you mentioned there about um, John Radford coming in and things like that. He's now still in charge of the club. Do you keep an eye on uh, how Mansfield have progressed? Obviously, you played a key part in getting us back to the league. And last season, we were fighting for a place in, in League One, losing out on the last day of the season. Is it something you've kept your eye on since you've you've uh, moved on? Yeah, there's, there's always a few results that I always look for first. Um, and Mansfield's one of them, really. I was I don't I'm not totally up to date with the, the playing squad. There's a, I think Christian Pierce there uh, played in Turkey, um, but apart from that, I don't think there's anyone I really know that play in that squad. But yeah, I keep. I keep tabs on the, the result and so I'll still speak to Mark Stevenson so he sort of keeps me in the loop about what's going on there so you know I, it is one of the first results um, I had a Darwin season ticket for five years so I look at their result I'm from Burton I look at their result and I played for Mansfield for five and a half years so I look at their result they're the sort of 
they had the free results as well as Man United, um, but they're the, the results I look for first. Before we dive into uh, all of all of the goals and uh, all of the the, the the Briscoe belters that we used to dub them here on Mansfield Matters, because I don't think you uh, you very rarely scored from inside the box. It was always about 40, 50 yards. Um, obviously, uh, you, you mentioned some of the, the the players there and things like that. Um, and uh, growing up as a kid and, and the football teams you look out for, are you still playing your trade? Yeah, one of the one of the teams that I played for during the season. And um, I ended up signing for Mansfield, which was Grizzly Rovers, um, which is local to me. And I always said, sort of said to myself that eventually I'll, I'll end up playing playing there for a few years. Um, so since after I left Mansfield, really, I sort of like dropped slowly, um, dropped into the National League with, with uh, Torquay for two years, had a little spell at Wrexham, then into the National North with um, Hamworth and Boston, and then into the Northern Premier with Stafford for pretty much three years. Um, well, two and a half years, and then now I've, I've dropped as a player coach to, to Grizzly, which is in the middle middle of the football league. So it's it's uh, it's gone kind of full circle. Really. Um, so I'm uh, so I'm, in, I'm really enjoying it. It's a pity about what's happening now, but yeah, I'm uh, we need to get through the end of this season at Grizzly, and then build for next season really. Let's uh, go dig into a little bit of your career then as well obviously started off at Port Vale uh, then as you mentioned a number of non-league clubs before signing for Mansfield what was the hardest part uh, for you in terms of uh, a mental battle within football because it, it took a it, it's fair to say that it took a little while to get that full-time deal to, to get yourself into full-time football Yeah I mean let's say I was at Port Vale did two years YT member debut in League 1 at 17 so at that point I'm thinking yeah this is for me I'm I'm going to crack, crack right on. I want to get in this first team in the next couple of years and be a, be a force. Um, but say I got my first year pro, and then within six months, I hadn't developed how they wanted me to. Um, there was lots of, like, at that time, I was a number nine out and out striker. I wasn't really a wide man. Um, and there was four or five experienced, experienced players that were, that were ahead of me, so there was no real way for me to get into that team. Um, and they sort of said, well, we're going to let you go. And, uh, let you go early because I want you to find another club, um, and that that was difficult at that point because I didn't. I thought, well, surely they're going to give me time to develop or send me out on loan, get some games, come back. Um, and obviously, without that under twenty three setup like it is now, or the under twenty ones, or say the the development teams, the, I didn't have that. So it was either you go from seventeen, eighteen straight into a first team, and you couldn't really bridge that gap, and they maybe didn't have the money and the resources to send you out on loan and still pay some of your wages, and then wait for you to develop and come back so um, that, obviously that was frustrating at that point but then I think I've just done it in a bit of an old school way really gone to League Town had a season there found out about men's football then by six months into the next season I was at Mansfield so you know it wasn't wasn't too too long time coming um, to get back full time but it's it was a, it was a learning curve and so you never know where quite where it's going to take you and you know I was, I was fortunate in some ways but then in other ways I, I think I deserved to get back up there and then I'd like to think I proved myself by the time I had got back to that stage. Yeah, obviously, uh, it was definitely Mansfield where you sort of uh, found your grounding. And, and I think it's fair to say from all around the table, everyone's nodding that you became a bit of a club hero, especially your contribution in the FA Trophy and then the, the, the campaigns which followed afterwards. We always say that that time of year, the FA Trophy campaign against the odds really sparked the revival. What changed in, in, in that summer within the dressing room? How did uh, that mood and, and things change between uh, the side who were struggling against relegation, as you say, and, and really scrapping? every week to a side capable of playing in the, in the top three competing for the playoffs and then of course the season after achieving the dream of getting back to the football league 
Um, I think I think the because when Paul Cox came in and Duncan Russell left, I think we were on some of the lads that were still there were on a little bit of a high from getting to, to Wembley and finished the season. Finished the season okay, um, but I think Paul Cox brought in a different mentality, of, a little bit more old school, a little bit more uh, ruthlessness um, that I think we needed, and I think combined with. Uh, John Radford's investment and uh, that first year wasn't from, from what I gather wasn't crazily um, competitive budget I think it would have been okay but I don't think it would have been a top, probably top two or three um, you know we brought in some, some good raw players at, at that point that wanted to bought into what Paul Cox was doing um, and I think it took us even then it still took us a while like come Christmas time it still wasn't quite clicking and then as soon as January came in I think a couple of people came in and then we just finished that season with Probably about eighty percent wins, which is was was really good. We finished that season really strong. I think it was just one step too far. By the time we got to that playoff semi final against York, we were just just about, I think went out of steam and we lost Matt Green for that second leg semi final, um, which we missed him. I think that could have been the difference. Um, but you know we we built on that again and then took that into the next season. We invested again. We've we've bought sort of we brought in two or three players from each team that finished in the playoffs, and it was so it was almost like a like a science that you get the better players from the teams around you you're going to do well and win the league and that's sort of what happened even though some of them players didn't necessarily play an integral part it, it sort of it took them players away from other teams so we, we were strong in that, that squad that year I remember the first game of the season we played Newport I think we lost 4-3 and there was five or six lads that ended up in the team at the end of the season in the stands so you know it, just, it, was, it was getting that right sort of balance between the squad and, and carrying that momentum forward and that was definitely a magical season as well, because as well as the league exploits, we had the FA Cup game as well. Liverpool at home in the FA Cup, that's got to be up there in, in terms of your top three top three matches uh, uh, for you to play in, surely? Yeah, I think when you take away um, things from football, I think when you can say, yeah, I played against Luis Suarez or I played against Liverpool, then you know what I mean? It's not, <laughs> you, can, you can feel proud of yourself and... The, the the game before when we were I think we were, I don't know if we were three one down um, at Lincoln um, and then we managed to get I don't know if it was two no I'm not sure the the leg that we played um, at Lincoln in the FA Cup I think we got a last minute winner I scored in the leg uh, scored in the tie and put one in to Reedy and that was three three last minute took us to a replay then the draw gets made on the Sunday right if you win this you play in Liverpool at home so then ESPN I think it was at the time they got they got the rights for the game they ended up putting a tent on the game because it was frozen freezing cold um, and the game went ahead and so I think I think it went 1-0 down or no John Dancer scored then Adam Smith scored against us on our player and then so with 10 minutes to go I pop up and, and score the winner which takes us through to, to playing um, Liverpool in that third round which was so it was just amazing spectacle like, my phone blew up the next day like people from America trying to interview me like Fox Sports and it was crazy at the time Sky Sports News were all around. It was. It just went. It just went mad. I bet Steve earned his coin that day, didn't he? Trying to fend off all those calls. I bet he became your personal media advisor that day, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, looked at, he always looked after the players, made sure that no one was uh, asking the wrong things. But yeah, he, he was. I think he was busy, and I thought he was in his element. To be honest, I think that's uh, that's that's him out at his best when he's busy and people are, are after him and asking asking questions of what they want him to do next. That's uh, Steve's forte. Yeah, he's an absolutely top man as well to be. Really nice guy to, to work with as well. Um, in that, uh, that that game, as you say, that Liverpool game, what's going through your head as the ball hits the back of the net? When does it dawn that you've actually you've you've managed to, to get through past Lincoln and you've got Liverpool at home? What's going through your head as the ball crashes against the back of the net? 
It was crazy. I don't think I really realised until sort of I've come out of the full-time game how, how serious it was because you still get people still mentioning to me, oh, I remember when you scored that goal and we, we played Liverpool and then there's a full house for the whole for the whole town to, to watch you know, one of the greatest teams in the world. Obviously, they weren't that, as good as they are now then, but still, it's one of the biggest names in football to come to our, our little town. And it was... Um, it, it was it was amazing, really, really, really well. And I say I don't think you it didn't sink in. I just sort of speak to some of the players that I play with. I don't really get I don't really get phased by a lot, and I just sort of took it in my stride. And oh, well, I've scored, and we're playing Liverpool. Let's go and play them. So it wasn't really, you know, I don't think you can get to a bubby station at, at that point. But yeah, it was uh, the whole experience and the build up to that game, and and obviously that gave us a push. Really, after that, we I think we went on conference record at the time 12 wins on the spin so it really gave us a bit of momentum after that some great memories uh, from you there Louis about the uh, the Liverpool game and I'm going to bring the boys in again here as well because for us as fans uh, Nath it was one of those times wasn't it where everything seemed to be going right what a time to be a Stags fan and especially that game as we were talking about there the uh, the Lincoln uh, replay at home obviously the, the own goal slash header from John Dempsey depending on which uh, standpoint you want to take on it and then obviously uh, Briscoe's winner after Adam Smith had uh, equalised what a time to be a Stags fan yeah it was it's uh, again when you, when you look back at the conference days and you, you'd, you'd probably say there were, there, were, there were dark times of history but actually within the, that time frame we had some some really really good times and that uh, has got to be one that you'd put in your top three for, for, for me anyway um, you know the, it was um, obviously we was doing doing Relatively well in the league, uh, but that did kick us on even more so um, from from the after the Liverpool game. But uh, to have that to look forward to, so not only have we have we got Lincoln, which is always a pretty decent fixture anyway. We always take a fantastic following away there, and they always being a decent towards um, a bit of rivalry in there. So that even that tie was 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 you know wasn't short of entertainment. Um, that was incredible itself. But to then have the replay and that sort of. Uh, uh, you know, diamond dangling there that you've got the potential of playing Liverpool in the next round. It just made it massive, and to to actually come through. And again, that game had drama. Uh, this is I talk about the second leg here of, of Lincoln that had its own drama, uh, but then to actually get through that tie and then have the likes of uh, Luis Suarez punching the ball into the net and uh, and things like that to to come. It was uh, incredible, and it just brought the town together and got everybody excited and. Uh, I think we will forever look back at that because, you know, it may not ever happen again. So we'll always look back at that and think, you know, what what a journey that was. I was actually a mascot for that game. Um, I think I'd have been 13 at the time. And I could, rem- I could just remember it was a fantastic day. You, you got to be in, obviously, it's near enough to say the, the mascots thing is still the same as what it is now. You go in, you go and have some games and whatever. Um, then you go down and meet the players in the dressing room, and you could feel you could feel the buzz already that was in the ground. You walk through the ground, and obviously, all camera crews are setting up, um, and trying to get all that sorted. The 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 pitch is being in its final preparations for the game, and then um, just being out on that pitch when everyone's warming up, and as the players are going off, and you hear the roar of the 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 stags faithful, it's just fantastic, and then. Um, because I was, I think I was the oldest there at the time. I was also the tallest. I think I had to walk out at the back. I think it was Lee Stevenson and Exodus Gahegan. And uh, just, just it was deafening. You walk out of the tunnel and um, it was just a brilliant feeling to be part of it. And um, first and foremost, I got I got to be on the telly a bit. A couple of angles got me, so... 
Um, I was glad about that, but just to be part of it was just a brilliant atmosphere. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the result we wanted, but just being part of it was it was absolutely brilliant. I think that was a catalyst, really, because what what happened then? I think he, I think I don't know if we went and played Stockport or something like that on a Tuesday night away, and we went and just battered them. Um, we were like relentless. I remember we changed a few I think players. It was four, I think it was four nil that well, night. I think it was. Again, I think it was about four nil that night. Stockport away. I remember. Yeah, yeah remember it, was, it well. It was, it was. Yeah, I remember we absolutely battered them. Stockport were going okay at that time. Um, but yeah, we we went there on a Tuesday night. We we battered them, and then after that, we just. And the thing is, the te- the team was changing nearly every game. So every every player was had bought into it. Like there was the three wingers: me, Lyndon, Mikel, and Colin Daniel. We were all like mates and if one of us were dropping the other one would be talking to him like helping him through the game like it wasn't it was a competitiveness to, to play but it was also like we're in this together like if you play I want you to do the best you can do and I think that spread through the team and it was it was a, say that point of the season was such a good team spirit and everyone even if they weren't playing even if we were in the stand it, it was just with proper togetherness that I think you, you don't get that very often like you, a lot of the time you're vying for a position it's it's almost a bit of bitterness but it, it just wasn't like that at all and it was and obviously that helped us that got us so I think we won the season by won the league by one point I think it was in the end and that's definitely got us a few points through this through the course of it after the Christmas after that Liverpool game and the the night where it was uh, almost sealed so to speak was uh, Hereford away 2-1 what a night. Talk us through it from, from your perspective, because I'm sure the boys are laughing at me now because I was commentating at the time and I went absolutely mental when Greeny put it in. But what was it like for, for you guys on the pitch? Yeah, it was incredible. Honestly, it was, it was honestly incredible. The first half, we were poor. Um, I think Lee Beavers went off with an injury, I think. Um, so that, And then we went 1-0 down for a softy goal. And then you're thinking, right, it's against us. And you have Kidderminster fans and, and Kidderminster players in the, in the stand, often, um, yeah, because obviously they knew if we lost or drew, it was within their hands on the, the following Saturday. But then we got a goal before our time, Greeny again. Uh, and then we we, uh, we sorted ourselves out our time. I think I came up after about 60, 70 minutes. I think Junior, or Colin Daniel went, went on. Um, and I was on the bench. Because at that point, I think everyone that was playing, it was it was really draining. You were like physically like knackered because you, you're giving your all. I remember standing up, being on the bench and we scored, and I, I think I barely got off the bench. But everyone was just going ballistic. And then the change room, in the change rooms after that game, that was like it was almost better than when we won the lead. It was it was like we've done enough now. We're going to go and batter Wrexham. Doesn't matter what team they put out. Let's talk goals then. Uh, obviously, you were known for for your, your, your goal scoring attributes, and you scored quite a few belters in your time. What would you say is is the goal which? Uh, perhaps defines your time at Mansfield. Your your favourite goal which you scored? My favourite goal, it's a really interesting one. My favourite goal and the one that I always look at goals and think if I couldn't, the, the, the better they are is the ones that I think I couldn't do again. Um, but the the one at Grimsby where we lost 7-2 on New Year's Day and we was awful. Um, but that goal that I scored then, I, I just think that was probably the best goal I've, I've ever scored. Um, it was just so, so far out and it just went this, like, right in the angle. And the keeper was on that side, so he still, still didn't get it. But yeah, that was probably my favourite goal, even though it didn't mean anything. And we got 7 2 and we got a hammer in after the game. Um, but so, so the, the two goals against Barrow out of the three with, with my left footed one, I think I'd struggle to do that again. It just went exactly where I wanted it to. And then the volley was obviously good. The volley against Newport on TV um, was nice. Uh, what was the side? Uh, the, the 
FA Cup goal against Lincoln in the first um, in the first time. Left foot volley from the edge of the box again. I think I don't think I'd do that again. I couldn't have done that. If I could have had twenty attempts and one of them, only one of them would have gone in, and it just rode straight in left side. Yeah, so there's a, so there's a few in there. I'm going to bring the boys back in uh, again here, Louis. Obviously, we've been listening uh, uh, with real interest to, to what you've been saying so far. We're going to test you out in a minute uh, in terms of uh, your knowledge of your time at the Stags. But it's fair to say, uh, Cam, that Louis's uh, memories so far of his time at the Stags have been factually accurate, really surprising. I think we could have a real contender here for a, for a winner of the quiz. Oh, definitely. And I think you get some players that are like... Uh, came to us in like the middle of the career so they've had a lot before and a lot after so you, you forget the the nitty gritty information And but when you get players on that just genuinely remember all the good times and all, all the good things that have happened at, at the club it, it's great to hear what players have got to say and um, have that real insight to what the dressing room was like at such a turbulent time and then such a fantastic time Louis, we're going to run you through the rules of the quiz then. So you're going to face 10 questions against the clock. Contestants are looking to get the most correct answers in the quickest time. If you get an answer wrong, it's plus five seconds to your total time. If you pass, it's plus 10. So worth a go, even if you don't know. I'm determined to make that a catchphrase. Uh, The timer will start after I finish the first question. Uh, Going to get you a little bit of advice from Nathan now. Nathan, you've been present for pretty much all of these uh, Stags quizzes. Uh, Let's quickly run you through the league table. John Delay top in 143, Mickey Bolding 8 in 138, Richie Barker 7 in 137, Ian Bowling 7 in 139, Martin Riley 7 in 154, so a lot of clustering there, Stuart Watkins then in uh, with 6 in 142, Bobby Hassel 6 in 149, Adam Murray 6 in 154, and Paul Cox uh, 5 in 2 minutes 24. What's your advice for Louis playing this quiz? Unfortunately, it's uh, going to be dependent on how uh, generous or what sort of mood Craig was in when he wrote the questions, so you've got that to deal with. But um, What are you trying to say? You, you know, I've had to face these quizzes for, for years now, so uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I think um, a lot of the questions you've probably already spoke about, so uh, you know, try and think about that a bit as well. Excellent advice. Louis, are you ready to play the Stag Stories It's All About You quiz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as I don't finish last, I think, I think I'll be happy with that. Well, I don't think you're going to finish last, Louis, with uh, some of the memories that you've pulled out of the bag today. I think you'll be... I'm going to say, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say that you're going to be up there. But let's find out. Right, stopwatch is ready. Remember, 10 questions against the clock. Contestants are looking to get the most correct answers in the quickest time. If you get an answer wrong, it's plus five seconds to your total time. If you pass, it's plus 10. So as I say, worth a go, even if you don't know. The timer will start after I've asked the first question. Here we go. Louis, you joined the Stags from Ilkeston Town, but which manager did you follow from the Robins to the Stags? David Olsen. In 2001, you became a hero, sending us to Wembley, netting the rebound from a spot kick saved by which of your ex-teammates? Kevin Pilkington. You netted many goals during your time with us, including a hat-trick and a 7-0 thrashing of Barrow. But the following season, what did boss Paul Cox get as the Stags won 8-1? Aston Martin at half-time. The Stags came close to promotion in 2012, losing out in the playoffs to York City, but which of your former teammates was sent off in the second leg? Matt Green. In the, peak, oh, no. in the peak of your Stags career, you were called up to the England C team, scoring on your debut a one-all draw against who? Hungary. In the conference-winning season, how many goals did you contribute? Six, eight or ten? 
11 stones. 11 stones is an anagram of which of your former teammates? 11 stones. Uh, 11 stones. How many stags managers did you play under? Uh, permanent or caretaker? Permanent. Uh, two. Teammate Alan Marriott scored for his own half live on TV, but against who? Wrexham. And finally, on the Stags Road to Wembley, who did you beat in round one? 5 0, played at your old stomping ground of Ilkeston. Workshop Town. Stop the clock. Ooh, very good score, I think, there. How do you think you did, Louis? Uh, I got Matt Green one wrong. Yeah, that, I think that was the stumbling block. You were doing so well until that point. You were absolutely smashing it until that point. Do you know the answer to that one in the second leg? I think that's what's thrown you a little bit. Um, just trying to think. Is it Gary Robert? I can't remember. No, it, so Green got sent off in the uh, in the first leg for the for the handball. Then it was Richie Sutton, second yellow card late into uh, additional time. I do, I do remember that. Yeah. Now uh, I can tell you that you got seven correct. Right, I got the eleven stones ones wrong. Definitely. Yeah. Did I get the managers wrong? Duncan was. Was it? I thought he was caretaker for the for the end of the season, obviously. Yeah, he was. He was caretaker for the for the uh, for the first month, and then obviously once we we got through and the ground got soft, I think John Radford went down the route of. Um, yeah, permanent for, until the end of the season because we want to stabilise and things like that. So yeah, you stumbled on that one, and then obviously the Exeter Hagen one. It was Lee Stevenson, eleven stones, the anagram that always throws players. Whilst I do the adding up, because uh, as the boys will tell you, Louis, my maths is awful and I really struggle. I'm going to hand you over to the boys to give you their verdict on what they thought of the quiz. Uh, Nathan, we've predicted it before. We thought that he'd be up there, and from the sounds of his answers, you think he. Is. He's close. I know there's a couple of questions that he hit the post on, so uh, didn't quite have his shooting boots on with a couple of those. But uh, it's, uh, I, I think he's going to be up there and all, 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 all around about anyway. Wasn't too bad. Um, there were a couple of questions that I was thinking, mm, is he going to get? Isn't he? Because there were some there that was just real curveballs. They could have been anagrams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's always an anagram. You know this. Yeah, and they're awful. Anagrams are the best part of the quiz. Everyone loves the anagrams. To be honest, I think I could have got that one. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't that difficult. I don't believe. But um, when you're on the spot, you, you're being rushed. Yeah, it's, it does become quite difficult. Well, Louis, uh, I can reveal that you scored seven correct answers in one minute twenty-eight, plus your penalties of five seconds per incorrect answer. That gives you a total of seven in 1 minute 43 Louis thanks very much for your time as always uh, really appreciate talking to you today it was absolutely fantastic what's your final message uh, to the Stags faithful uh, and those who have obviously uh, supported you throughout your Stags career thank you really um, fans are always great with me I'm very rarely had a, a tough time with them. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's the same for everybody but yeah I'd, uh, I'd like to think I give my all and you know, give a good account of myself and I've got good memories of what I did and what we did as a, a club while I was there so yeah it's uh, good to give back and uh, get in touch with a few people that do um, a lot of things for the, the club and you know it's a, it's a way of outreaching to, to people and getting them to listen to what you've got to say yeah great
And so there we have it. That's Stank Stories with uh, Louis Briscoe. I hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, do give it a like. Do give it a subscribe and everything uh, as well. I hope you, uh, as I say, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you find out some great things uh, about it as well. Nathan and Cam were listening with real intent. Nathan, uh, what did you make of uh, Louis' stories and Louis' journey? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you know, I'm trying to think back to when he was actually at the club and I think we do sort of our media stuff very different these days we, we now have interviews quite often with, with players and get sort of you know, question times and things like that whereas thinking back to then I, you never really got the chance as much as what you do now to get to know the players we didn't have the same platform as as, as I player and, and things like that so uh, sorry I, I follow I play we're not the BBC that was going but yeah yeah I follow I know what I meant that's definitely um, staying in but <laughs> cheers cheers um, so yeah it's you know it's, it's it's given us a chance to sort of get to know Louis a little bit more and uh, know more about his career. But uh, what's refreshing is just to hear that he's got nothing but, but positive things to say about the club, which is uh, obviously what we want for the past, present and future. I think it's quite interesting. You look back at some of the games that he's been involved in and possibly the most important goal he scored whilst I'd probably say the, the most important goal he scored as a league goal being the link, uh, well, the cup goal, the Lincoln game was against the manager that brought him into the club in David Holdsworth. You could see that there was a real negative atmosphere around the dressing room when Holdsworth was here and uh, just that revolving door can't have been any good. So to to stick one in against his, team, against his new team in one of the most important games of the season was just uh, probably just like a massive middle finger to him, to be honest. It's like, great, thanks for doing this. Uh, we're glad you've gone. Uh, we're, we're going to knock you out of the cup now uh, in general though uh, was there anything which surprised you about what Louis uh, had to say for me I think it was where he was uh, talking about how ex-players perceived the club and things like that I mean it's good to know that other players from other clubs were saying you know what a good club Mansfield must have been to be at and what good dressing room and also as well what I found quite surprising was in that conference winning season which you mentioned there even though we'd signed a number of players basically to stop them playing for other clubs you Godfrey Pokus you your George Pilkingtons etc um, that there was still that camaraderie and, and still that banter and still that belief within there no egos sort of took over well I think the, the players saw what, what the end goal was and I know we didn't play obviously every player that we brought that season regularly but I'd say everyone got the fair chance to, to prove what they could do and we found a settled squad and uh, a squad that should we lose a couple of players through injury or suspension we could still go out and, and put a good performance in and um, obviously the start of the season wasn't great um, we lost um, was it Ross Dyer first game so when you've got one of your, one of your well at the time you start one of your star players out and for the rest of the team to step up and fair enough it wasn't uh, the greatest season until like December time and you always you always thinking a good cup run will, will kick your kick start your season and it, and it really did and the players had the belief and when you are hearing positive things about the club from players outside the club not just inside it is uh, a real testament to what was actually going off at the club at the time the voice there of Cam Felton Nathan Edge has been alongside us as well my thanks to those two and of course to Louis Briscoe who shared some great memories and some great stories 
in today's episode. My thanks finally to you guys at home for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, whatever it is you have to do on social media to get us noticed. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast and this is the best time of the week. Taking on COVID-19 and putting a smile on your face in the absence of football. Join us at the same time next week. If you don't know what time that is, that's three o'clock Saturday afternoon as we bring to you some more content Uh, This time we'll be looking at our ultimate Mansfield Town team. It's a little bit strange. We'll let it linger. Make sure you join us and join in the fun along the way next week as well. We'll have a bit of interaction for you next week. You can vote and uh, see whether you can win us some points and see who out of mine, Cam and Nathan's teams is the best and who will make an ultimate team out of those three teams. It'll all make sense when you listen next week probably if you've enjoyed the stag story with louis briscoe there are plenty more stags stories on our website just head along to mcfcmatters.co.uk click on the podcast page and you'll see lots of stories from lots of different players including some video interviews along there as well and who knows whilst we're in lockdown we may even have some more players coming up in the future just keep an eye on our website at mcfcmatters.co.uk that's it though for this week this has been the best time of the week stag stories with louis briscoe my thanks to louis to you for listening to nathan edge to cam felton i've been craig priest until next time here is the full-time whistle Launched into the middle towards Matt Reed. He's headed away though. It might fall for Briscoe on the edge of the box. On the volley! Oh, it's a hat trick for Louis Briscoe! The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.